0: Hey there, Crimaholics. Welcome back. It is your host, Kinsey, and it is a Monday morning, which means we are here for another Missing Mondays episode. Missing Mondays was a segment that was created because 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. at any given time. While some are found alive or deceased, the majority are still missing today. And it is my goal with Crimaholics to keep missing persons name and information in the media to aid in their return home the best that we can. In July of 1999, a young woman by the name of Brooke Lee Henson goes missing from Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. In the early 2000s, it would be discovered that a woman by the name of Esther Reed used Brooke's identity to enroll into Columbia University and took several classes. It would be two years before anyone had figured it out. Brooke's body has never been found and foul play is believed to have taken place in her disappearance, but that was not the initial thought in her case. 20-year-old Brooke Henson grew up in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina with her parents Martin and Kathy Henson. Traveler's Rest is about 20 minutes from the bigger cities of Greenville and Spartanburg, South Carolina. This town is well known for its history of being a tourist town and many people coming and going throughout the year. She is a social girl who has a lot of friends and is close to her family. Brooke is the kind of girl that everybody adores. As time went on, she got older, she became the kind of girl who just didn't believe that she needed things like makeup to enhance her beauty. She believed in her natural beauty. While most 20 year olds were at the point where they had already gained majority of their independence, Brooke was known as a late bloomer. Towards her 20th birthday, she had just now began learning how to cook, had gotten her first job, and was working towards finally getting her driver's license to gain more independence. Her parents have said that the reason she was just now beginning to venture into these life skills was because they took care of Brooke, and she really wasn't expected to do much, and she was always allowed to do as she pleased, which in return made them feel there was no way for Brooke to want to just walk away from her life willingly. At the time of her disappearance, Brooke was in a relationship with a man named Sean Shirley. It was no secret to those who knew Sean that he had an extensive criminal record. And when I say extensive, like my gosh. I did a background check into Sean, and I want to give you some insight into the criminal behavior that he took part in and the charges that he had racked up over the years. It includes possession of heroin, disorderly conduct, public disorderly assault and battery, possession of drug paraphernalia, lynching in the second degree, strong arm robbery, assault and battery of a higher aggravated nature times five, meaning there was five different situations for this particular charge. Manufacturing and distribution of methamphetamine and cocaine, possession of other controlled substances, criminal sexual conduct, possession of LSD, possession of crank and ice, DUI, and possession of a stolen vehicle with intent to sell. I know, a lot. It was also not a secret to those in Brooke's life, including her parents, that she was in a very toxic relationship with Sean. The couple often argued, and at times, these arguments would turn physical on both parts. On the night of July 3rd, 1999, Brooke held a party at her parents' home in Traveler's Rest, while Martin and Kathy attended a concert two hours away in Charlotte, North Carolina. The exact events that took place at this party were never released to the public, but from what has been released, nothing out of the norm took place at this party. Sometime between 1. 1 and two AM on July 4th, Martin, Kathy, and Brooks Aunt Christy Metcalf had arrived back at the home to find Brooks sitting on the porch sobbing. Brooke, Sean, and a man named Bingo Shirley and that man's girlfriend were the only ones left from the party. When her mother asks her what's wrong and asks her why she's crying, Brooke tells her that she and Sean had been fighting most of the evening over an incident that took place during the party. Her mother Kathy had always felt that Brooke had cared more about Sean than he did about Brooke. She said that when Brooke loves, she loves hard. She often did not see that being reciprocated in their relationship. According to the partygoers, Brooke and Sean had gotten into an argument over Sean asking another girl who attended the party out on a date. Her parents tried to calm Brooke down, but after a second argument took place after everyone arrived back at the home, Brooke told her parents that she was going to take a walk to the local gas station to buy a pack of cigarettes. They felt that this was really odd because every gas station that was within walking distance of their home closed at midnight each night. But they had chalked it up to her just needing to blow off some steam and she would return shortly. After Brooke leaves her home and heads into town, her parents head to bed for the night and according to Kathy, Sean is asleep in Brooke's Bed. around 7 a.m the next morning brooke's aunt christy who was at the home the night before called kathy to check in on the situation kathy tells christy she can't talk right now and quickly gets off the phone something felt off to christy so later that day around 3 p.m she goes to her sister's house and when she arrives kathy was frantic and tells her that brooke never returned home the night before She continues to tell Christy that when she went into Brooke's room, Sean was asleep and there was a note written in Brooke's handwriting that said, if you care, you will follow me. Her mom wakes up Sean and he tells her that that's the very first time he saw the note, he has no idea what Brooke means by it, and he has no idea where she is. Not much time passes when Sean receives a phone call at Brooke's house from a mysterious man, and not long after he gets that phone call, a man in a white pickup truck pulls up in front of their house, Sean gets in, and the truck leaves. Kathy is reluctant to call the police to report Brooke missing out of denial that it's a possibility that something bad has happened to her daughter. However, several hours later, Christy is able to coax Kathy into calling and making a missing person's report. When Officer Hendricks took the missing person's report, it had now been 12 hours since Brooke left her home and the initial report was not taken very seriously. Officer Hendricks believed because of her age, she had freely walked away from her life. Her family took matters into their own hands and begun to make flyers with Brooke's pictures and Her information on them. They hung them around town and handed them out to anybody that they could. They would even post them inside store windows, but as time went on, the owners of the stores would remove Brooke's flyers from their store windows. It would be three weeks before the police began to take Brooke's disappearance seriously. Searches would finally start in local spots around Traveler's Rest, but these were not intense searches. Her family remembers that sometimes there would only be three to four law enforcement members showing up to search these spots. They would look for a few clues here and there for a few hours and then the search would be over. During the summer of 1999, not long after Brooke went missing, a police officer by the name of Kevin Elder entered the Henson home without a search warrant. His plan was to dig around the home to find any type of evidence from the night of her disappearance. While he was at the home, Martin and Kathy arrived back at the house, and they are furious to find Officer Elder digging through their home without a warrant. They immediately called the police department to report the officer, and he was later punished and asked to resign from the force, which he did in early 2000. As police began to take her disappearance more seriously more tips regarding sightings of brooke in the local area that night started rolling in but each sighting turned up absolutely nothing A videotape from a local hotel was turned over to police and this videotape supposedly showed Brooke entering the hotel on the morning of July 4th, but never exiting. Police have said to multiple news outlets that they have examined the tape several times and it never showed Brooke entering the hotel. The videotape has since been returned back to the hotel safe where it has sat since her disappearance. Her boyfriend Sean was questioned many times by police and although they consider him a person of interest, he has always had an alibi of being asleep in Brooke's bed and there has never been any trace of physical evidence linking him to her disappearance. With little information regarding the morning of July 4th, lack of credible sightings, and little evidence to go off of to determine possible foul play, the police have determined that Brooke likely voluntarily walked away from her life. But her family just is not convinced this is the case. They believe in their hearts their daughter had no reason to want to walk away. Many years would pass without any more sightings or information about Brooke surfacing, and her family started to lose hope that they would ever get any answers as to what happened to their daughter. That was until 2004 when a woman by the name of Brooke Lee Henson enrolled herself into Columbia University. This woman would attend the school for two years before someone would notice that something was off about the situation. The Brooke Lee Henson that enrolled herself into Columbia University had the exact same birth date and social security number as Brooke Henson that was missing from South Carolina. While enrolled at the university, Brooke had taken a part-time job doing housework for a local that lived close to the university. The woman she worked for did a Google search of Brooke's name, and to her surprise, Brooke was reported as a missing person. She quickly called the local police department in New York to report her findings. The police department calls down to the investigator in charge of Brooke's case to let them know that Brooke was no longer missing and she had been found alive and was perfectly fine. He further explains to the investigator that Brooke was enrolled into Columbia University for the last two years, that he spoke to Brooke himself, And she had stated to him that she left her home voluntarily because she had been a victim of domestic violence and she no longer wanted to live around her family. The investigator in South Carolina had a gut feeling he had all of this information incorrect. He told the officer that there was no way that this was correct because the Brooke he knew would have never been able to get accepted into Columbia. He goes on to tell the officer that Brooke never finished high school and there was no way she would have been accepted to an Ivy League school. He assures him that there is some type of mix-up and he needs to go back and question Brooke just one more time. The officer thankfully takes the advice of the investigator and tells Brooke that she needs to take a DNA test and he sets her up an appointment to do so. The officer is shocked to find out that Brooke never showed up for her DNA test appointment. So after she does not show up, weeks later he decides to go back to her apartment just one last time to question Brooke. When he arrives at her apartment, she is nowhere to be found and there's nothing left inside the apartment. There wasn't even a piece of hair left behind that they could pull DNA from. What he did find, though, was an ID belonging to a woman named Natalie Bowman. But who was Natalie Bowman and why was her ID in the apartment that belonged to Brooke Henson? The detective makes a phone call down to the investigator in South Carolina, John Campbell, to update him on what he has found. He tells John that Brooke, of course, skips out on her DNA test and when he went to look inside her apartment, he found the ID belonging to Natalie Bowman. Once he is given this information, Detective Campbell is determined to get to the bottom of all of this because he says there is no way that the woman claiming to be Brooke Henson is the real Brooke Henson. Campbell then begins to do a search on the name Natalie Bowman for Columbia University. What he finds is that there is a woman named Natalie Bowman that attended Columbia Medical School, but the Natalie on the ID is not the same Natalie Bowman that went to the medical school. So if she isn't the same woman, but has the same name, birthday, and social... Who is this woman? The further he gets into the investigation of who the woman is in the photo, he finds out that the woman in the photo, going by Natalie Bowman, attended Columbia University sometime after 2002, but before 2005, which is quite some time after the real Natalie Bowman attended Columbia Medical School. Right now, what Detective Campbell knows is that the woman in the photo has now been known as Brooke Henson, attending Columbia University from 2004 to 2006, and now Natalie Bowman, who attended Columbia after 2002, but before 2005. As confused as he is in the beginning, one thing he knows for certain is that this is a case of two stolen identities, and he has to figure out who the woman in the photo really is. Detective Campbell starts his investigation at Columbia University talking with multiple professors and employees of the university about Natalie Bowman. Some of them were able to provide information that Natalie Bowman had dated two boys while they're at the college and they could probably be some more help. Campbell is thankfully able to track down the names of these two men and was able to get some very insightful information. He finds out from one of the men's parents that while their son was dating Natalie Bowman, they had come across a driver's license with her picture on it, but the name on the driver's license said Esther Reed, and it was issued in Seattle, Washington. He takes his information and contacts the police department out in Seattle and is asking them about a woman named Esther Reed. The police state that they do know of a woman named Esther Reed who had been in trouble years prior for writing bad checks. Detective Campbell quickly sends over a photo from the photo ID to the police department and they identify that woman in the picture as Esther Reed. Turns out that Esther Reed is a woman from Townsend, Montana who had spent many years stealing the identities of many people and enrolling herself into Ivy League colleges to attend classes. After a countrywide manhunt that lasted several years, Esther is eventually found and charged with mail fraud, wire fraud, identity theft, and making false statements. However, she was only sentenced to 51 months in prison and has since been released in 2011. Since this took place, there has not been any more credible sightings or information surface about Brooke Lee Henson missing from Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. Her boyfriend at the time, Sean, continued to stay a person of interest until his death in October of 2019. John Campbell has stated that after all these years, he now believes that there was foul play in Brooke's disappearance and that it is just going to take one person to step forward with the correct piece of evidence that they need. Brooke Lee Henson has been missing from Traveler's Rest, South Carolina since July 4th, 1999. She is a Caucasian female with blonde hair and brown eyes and she stands at 5 feet, 4 inches tall and weighed approximately 104 pounds at the time of her disappearance. The day she disappeared, she was wearing a tan tank top, dark green or brown shorts, black sandals, a silver bracelet on her right wrist, and a silver watch with a Velcro band on her left wrist. If you have any information about the disappearance of Brooke Lee Henson, you are encouraged to call the Traveler's Rest Police Department at 864-232-7463. Crimaholics, if you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join a Crimaholics podcast discussion group on Facebook or follow us on Instagram where I will have pictures of Brooke posted. Crimaholics, as always, be aware and take care.